Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. The Book of Acts. We've been uh, kind of studying through here last week. We talked about the uh, Saul of Tarsus, his conversion. He was called. He was called to be a preacher. He was called to minister the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Lord even uh, told Ananias that he was a chosen vessel uh, to preach to the Jews, the nation of Israel. To the Gentiles, which is a way of saying anyone who's not Jewish, and kings. And as we see uh, Paul's life as he surrenders to that, he uh, does exactly that. Just to kind of get into the context here in Acts chapter 11, I, I think we mentioned this a little bit when we talked about Barnabas, but in Acts chapter 11, Barnabas is sent uh, to Antioch, and the uh, church there, the new church there, is just going well. Things are going good. And in verse 25 of chapter 11, then he departs, Barnabas departs from Antioch uh, to seek Saul in Tarsus, back where Saul was from. So uh, he brings Saul, verse uh, 26, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And I pointed this out first before, that Christians were called Christians not by themselves, not by other Christians, but by the world. Why? Because they were Christ followers. And here Barnabas and, and Saul are in Antioch and they're assembling together and having a great services and great time in the Lord with the Christians in Antioch. But, verse thir- chapter 13 and verse 1, there at the church at Antioch, after they'd been there, there a year, verse 2, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them away. So here you see Barnabas and Saul, Paul have been with the church for a year at Antioch, and then they, uh, the church at Antioch, by the leading and prompting of the Holy Spirit, sends these guys out as missionaries or as evangelists to evangelize the lost, to go out and to reach those that have not heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This passage here in, in Acts chapter 13 would be what was Paul's first missionary journey. And he, in that, in that uh, first missionary journey, stayed pretty local. Uh, he traveled to, he and uh, Barnabas traveled to uh, some areas and preached the gospel in, in what, is, what is Asia Minor. And they stayed there kind of close, preaching the gospel. And, um, and then after that, what, Paul's, when Paul and, and, and he would do these missionary journeys, which he'd spend his life doing 30 some, 30 some years as a believer, preaching and the missionary journeys as he is on. But he would go into an area that didn't know Christ. 
And he would simply, as you read the book of Acts and, and his letters to these churches, he would simply preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right, amen. And he, his intent for going into these places was to what we would call today plant a church or start a church. He would go into an area, he'd preach the gospel, two, three, four, five folks would accept Christ as their Savior, and this would now be a fellowship, a group of believers. And of course, they didn't have church buildings, right? This was the start of the church. They had synagogues, but not always were they welcomed. Christians were not always welcomed in the synagogues, so many times they would meet public places or they would meet in homes like they did in Philippi. The church started in, in, in Lydia's home or things like that. And so they would begin to meet in these areas and he would hit. But his long-term goal is for a, a church to be planted in an area so that it would continue, right? And that these believers would go on. This morning I want to take just a look at uh, Paul's um, second missionary uh, journey his second missionary journey and uh, it, it's interesting how it starts he he takes off and t- t- take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 16 he's getting ready to go from uh, from where he's at and he wants to head head east his desire is to take the gospel toward the east and the Bible says in verse 6 that what he was heading that way, but he was forbidden. Look at this at the end of verse 6. He was forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Isn't that interesting? That as Paul's desire to be a missionary, to be an evangelist, to take the gospel eastward from where he was at, that he, the Holy Spirit said, no, I don't want you to go that direction. Uh, but then he... Uh, uh, verse 7, after, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go to Bithynia, that is toward the east, if we were looking at a map in Asia Minor. But the Spirit suffered them not. And, it, and, and they passed by Mysia and came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul at, in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia. And he prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. This is what we call, you know, many missionary messages, we call this the Macedonian call. That there was this vision that comes to Paul and there's this man of Macedonia that says, come and help us. Let me just say this. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is a help. It is a game changer for a nation, an individual, and a church. The the, the We've been so blessed with the gospel being preached here in this country, I think that we are guilty of taking it for granted. The darkness that we would be in without it. The darkness that we would be in without the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ having come to us. We would be in darkness. We would be lost in our sins. And only thing that we could follow was the traditions of our fathers or the philosophies of the time. It would be a disaster. So here's this Macedonian call. And, and the Lord had already told him, you're not going east. I don't want you to take the gospel to east toward India, toward China. I don't want you to take it that way now. 
But now this man's calling you in a vision saying, come to me from Macedonia. Macedonia is Europe. This is going west now. A total different direction than when Paul had thought that he was going to go. Here's, here's an interesting... Paul was willing to preach the gospel. You know what we need to be? We need to be willing to preach the gospel. Surrender. The church sent him, right? And we may say, Lord, I don't want to go this way and tell these people about the Lord. And he's, the Holy Spirit may redirect us. Saying, no, these people are going to be open. This is the way that I want you to go. And so Paul goes... He goes... Uh, look at this, verse 10. And after that he had seen the vision, immediately... I like Paul. He's, he's quick to respond to the Holy Spirit's prompting, right? And immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Now this would be, if you were looking at a map, he would have had to cross over like at the northern part of the Mediterranean. He'd have crossed over the Adrian Sea and the Black Sea were right there. So he'd cross over there into Europe. And, and, uh, um, and the Lord had called us for to what? What was his purpose for going to Europe? To preach the gospel unto them. You see that? He said, we are called of the Lord to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, he came straight and headed. And the first town, the first town that he shows up to is crossing over into Macedonia, crossing over into Europe, is a place uh, called Philippi. Now, Philippi would be uh, um, named after, it's a, it's, a, it's a city that's named after Alexander the Great's father, Philip of Macedon. And Paul shows up there in verse 12 of Acts chapter 16. And from thence to Philippi, which is a chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony and we were in the city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a, by, uh, by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women that resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she brought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So here we have this God-fearing woman. She's not like most of the rest of the city that is uh, pagan. Right? She's a God-fearing woman, but she hadn't heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When she hears the gospel, the Lord opens her heart. She receives it. She's born again. She follows the Lord and believers' baptism, right? And her house, and she says, listen, now I want to open up my house, Paul, for you to use in this city. Listen, you know what we'd call this? An open door, right? An open door. He shows up to the city. They've got a vision. But with this open door comes persecution. You know what's the next thing that happens in Philippi? He's accused. There's an uproar in the city. And he's taken out. He and Silas and what? Beaten. They're beaten. And then they're put into chains. The Bible says they were put into stocks. Right? And at midnight, in the prison, they're worshiping and praising God. Now this is... I'm covering ground kind of quick here, but listen, 
At this point in time, you would start to wonder, was this of God? After you got beaten, after you got thrown into prison, you're probably starting to wonder, was I supposed to go east? Maybe the West decision wasn't the best idea. You'd start to question, but what was all this about? This was about the next convert to come into the church of Philippi. Because as you know, the next group of people that accept Christ at Philippi is the Philippian jailer and his family. Look at Acts, Acts chapter 16 and verse 30. So you know what happens. They're praising God, an earthquake comes, and the Philippian jailer comes in in verse 30 of chapter 6 and brought them out and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Right. You know what we'd call that? An open door. Right? If someone comes to you and says, what must I do to be saved? I, mean, I would say that that is an open door. And here's the answer. Here's what our response should be. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. In thy house. He takes them in, verse 34, and when they had brought them into the house, he set me before them and rejoiced, looking this, believing in God with all his house. I just, I just find this interesting. Listen, if I was to go on one of Paul's missionary journeys with him, this was the one I would have liked to go on. on. The second one. He goes into Europe and several of the cities that he preaches at, the first one's Philippi. That was fruitful, wasn't it? He goes into the next city is Thessalonica. The next place he goes is Berea. The next place he goes is Athens. The next place he goes is Corinth. The next place he goes is Ephesus. That would have been an awesome missionary journey. To be with Paul. Let's let's look at the second one. In in, in set chapter seventeen, he goes into uh, Thessalonica. There in verse one and verse two, and Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scripture, <coughs> opening and alleging that Christ must deeds have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. So, so here's what Paul did. He's a Jew, a Roman citizen, but he goes into a, a, a city that's it's not Jewish, but has a large concentration of Jews in it, so much so that they have a synagogue, right? And so he goes into the synagogue for three Sabbath days and preaches the gospel there. Okay? What was the gospel? That Jesus was the Christ, that he died and rose again from the dead. Verse 4, And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks a great multitude and of the chief women not a few. So as Paul's preaching the gospel, it's not necessarily the Jews in the synagogue that are receiving it, but the Gentiles, the chief women, the Greeks here in Thessalonica are believing and receiving the gospel one of which is a man by the name of Jason. But verse 5, And the Jews that believed not, moved with envy, took them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company and set them uh, all the city in an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason. This is where uh, Paul was. And sought to bring them out and the people. Long story short, they start persecuting the new believers. 
the Jews in Thessalonica start persecuting Jason and his house, these new believers that Paul had preached to and that had received the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, his first two stops, he's beaten, he's imprisoned, right? The new converts are being persecuted, uh, being beaten, imprisoned. But they were right where God wanted them. They were right in the area. And there's a new fellowship in both of these places of believers being built and established. So what Paul would do is the example that we have here in his missions work is he would go into an area, he would preach the gospel, right? And he would um, have a group of people that would be in a fellowship, a church. A church would be started. A church would be planted. And then he would go on and he would send letters back, right? The letters, some that we have in our scripture that are the Bible. You know, the letters to Corinth and the letters to Thessalonica and the letters to Ephesus and the letters to, to Philippi. These letters establishing them in, in doctrine, right? Uh, encouraging them in their faith. Paul, he himself would try to circle back and he did to many of them. Or he would send people like Timothy and Titus back to these churches to encourage them, to help them in their, in their walk. Let's look at something though here in in uh, in Philippians. Turn to Philippians. Philippians chapter one. You know when you read this in Philippians chapter one, Paul's letter uh, to the church here, it, it helps to remember that he's writing to Lydia that he's writing to the Philippian jailer and his family, these people that had accepted Christ. You know, this letter, uh, Philippians, is called Paul's joy letter. It's called Paul's joy letter. And the most amazing part about that, that it's called his joy letter, that it's so, he's rejoicing and so... In, uh, uh, so what seems... Uh, praising God throughout the whole book is that he writes it from prison. Listen, I don't... I, I hope that if I, had, if I had gotten in prison for doing right, that I could write a letter and not even mention the injustice and, and the things that I was persecuted by and the things that I was going through. I hope that I could write a letter four pages long that is just talking about the goodness and the graciousness of the Lord and all the things, but I don't know. That takes, a, that takes being filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? To be persecuted, to be imprisoned for doing what was good, what was right, what you were called to do, and, and say stuff like this, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. That's what he wrote. He wrote, I have learned in Philippians, in whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. He said that from prison. He said this in prison. He said, uh, the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He said that to Lydia and to the Philippian jailer from prison. And this was no surprise for the Philippian jailer. The Philippian jailer had seen Paul in prison. He'd saw, seen Paul in prison with his back opened up from a beating and praising God and worshiping the Lord. But look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1. He says, 
Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Isn't it amazing that it, it, this is the end of Paul's life also. This is at the end of Paul's life. That this little, this is a miracle of God. You know, this is a miracle of God that we are here today. It's a miracle of God that there's a fellowship of believers seeking after God and His work. There's a miracle that he walked into a little town one day and saw these women down by the river. And he started telling them about the grace and gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, 30 years later, he's writing a letter to the church that is at Philippi, to the bishops and the deacons. In other words, the grace of God had grown an assembly, a church there at Philippi. Just by him being obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and going into a town and preaching the gospel. It's amazing. He says in verse 2, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. This is Paul at the end of his life. I thank my God on every remembrance of you. Can you imagine him sitting there in a prison cell or a prison home in, in, in Rome and he'd remember back about the gospel being preached at Philippi and the believers receiving it and by some work of God and moving of the Holy Spirit and that the church was still thriving, that the church was still going. He said, when I remember that, he says, I'm thanking God because of it. He says, uh, he's, verse 4, always in my prayer and in, uh, for... Always, in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy for our fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. You know what Paul says to the church at uh, Philippi? You know what, what draws us together? You know what Paul says to the church at Philippi? You know what makes us united? You know what our fellowship is in? It's not in common interests. It's not in our common backgrounds. It's not in our common education. It's not in all of those things. Our fellowship, Paul says, from the very first day until now has been and will be in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. By His gospel. That's what brings us into the family of God. He said, being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He says, listen, I mean, you think, for someone that's kind of micromanaging, you know, Paul goes in there, he preaches the gospel to him, right? And then he leaves. And by the work of God, the church is going on. And he says, I was confident that if I preach the gospel and you received his Holy Spirit inside of you, it'll work. I'm being confident that God is going to continue to work in you whether Paul's there or not. In other words, the church at Philippi didn't need Paul to go on. They needed God to go on. That's the same, the church in America, the church here, we don't need somebody to go on. We need God to go on. We need God to thrive. We need God for revival. And if we have Him, it'll continue. Let me, let's, let's look at this letter he writes to the Thessalonians. Let's just look at the beginning of it. Thessalonians chapter 1. Thessalonians chapter 1. This is actually his first letter that Paul, Paul wrote. He says in, in chapter 1, 
verse 1, Paul and Salvanus and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus. Peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all making mentioning mention of you in our prayers. Same thing, Paul says, I remember and I'm giving thanks that God has established you and started a work in your life and a work in Thessalonica. Remembering, Paul says, without ceasing your work of faith. See, Paul had sent Timothy back after they left Thessalonica to check on them and Timothy's report to Paul was that they're growing in their faith. Your labor of love. He says, Paul, Timothy says to Paul, they're growing in their love. Their patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the sight of God and the Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God for the gospel came unto you in, uh, not unto you in word only, but also in power of the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye being followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word, look at this, in much affliction. Remember when Paul was at Thessalonica, he was only there for three weeks. And within the first three weeks, those that accepted Christ, including Jason, they were all being persecuted in their own town for accepting the gospel. He says, I remember that when I preached to you, you received the word and you accepted it. And because of that, you received it in much persecution and affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost, which tells us that you can be going through trouble and still have joy. You can still be afflicted and still have joy. So that you were in samples. Paul says, this church was a model church. Thessalonica was a model church. It was an example church. He said, verse 7, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you, from them, the church at Thessalonica, sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia, but also in Achaia, and also in every place your faith to God word spread abroad. So he said, after I came and preached preached to you, you guys turned around and not only said, I want to reach more people in Macedonia, but you went further than Macedonia, you were preaching people in Achaia, and then he said, even further than that, to places far abroad. You know what these people at Thessalonica had, even though they were persecuted for the gospel's sake? They realized the gift of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When they received it, just like Paul had received it, it changed their life. It was the greatest thing that they'd ever had. The greatest thing they'd ever known. And they didn't just sit on this treasure. They took it and they spread it out. They spread it abroad. Listen, this is the call for us as a church. We have this treasure. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it would be a shame if we sat on it. It would be a shame if we just sat here and just said, well, yeah, we're saved, we're born again, we know we're going to spend eternity in heaven, and not take this to the ends of the earth. And it's so much easier now to do than it was then. We could be on a plane and be anywhere in 48 hours. Right? We can use the internet, we can use email, we can use so many tools, but yet we just can't find the time to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. And there are open doors. There are open doors. 
You know, it's funny. I'm getting ahead of myself. It doesn't even matter. (laughs) The gospel started going west, right? The gospel started going west, and it continued to go west. When he went over the Aegean Sea and preached the gospel in Philippi, the gospel from that moment went into Thessalonica and continued to go west throughout Europe and eventually to the United States of America. We are a result of the Macedonian call. The gospel going that way west and continuing around. And I would say today that God is not done preaching the gospel around the world. I would say today that, that the open doors of today are in the east now. In India. In Sri Lanka. In China. In the Philippines. They will receive the gospel if we preach it to them, if we take it to them. We go into these villages, I've seen it with my own two eyes, that they are amazed that there's a God that created everything and will have a relationship with them. And, and, and the most amazing thing, the first trip that we took to India, there was hundreds literally of people saved. I thought, is this real? You know, is this real? Because it's so easy, it seems like. You know, you preach your heart out here in America to have one person come to know Christ, Right? And there in India, there's 50 people come to the altar, and you're like, did they understand what I was saying? Because this is just not right. But, the, but here's the thing, is we've gone back year after year, and those same people, those same people are studying their Bibles and are being faithful Amen. to churches. Amen. There are churches planted in India as a result of those short little trips. That's the most amazing thing. You say, these Thessalonians, the Thessalonians, they were a model church. Paul must have just poured his life into them. He must have just stayed there and started a Bible college, right? Played it. No, he was there three weeks. He was there three weeks. And they turned into a model church that from there. And they understood great doctrinal things. If you look at the things that they understood in the and what Paul mentions in Thessalonica, they were working in faith. They were they were had labor of love. They were patient in hope. That that whole book of Thessalonians, that the, the theme of it is the rapture, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the hope that they have in uh, eternal life, in in the, uh, the rapture of the church. I mean, these the, sometimes I think we think, well, we've got to prep prepared to preach the gospel. No, if it's happened to you, you can tell it. If it's happened to us, we can we can be a messenger. It's it's not like that. We have to go to get a degree on this stuff. We just put it to work and we depend on the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul said. He said, I didn't come to you with these great swelling words. I came in demonstration of the Holy Spirit that when you received the gospel, it changed your life. The Macedonian call is powerful. I want to look at one more. I've kind of got off track here, but we're going to look at one more passage before we try to wind this down. 2 Corinthians. So he says that they are a model church. Paul says that the Thessalonians are a model church. And he even used them as an example writing to the Corinthian church. Look at this. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. You say, how was it the Thessalonians were able to just immediately after they experienced the gospel, they began to spread it. And they began to take it farther. Listen. We want to grow our church, and God will grow our church here in Springboro. We want to reach as many people as God will allow us to reach in Springboro. And I want to see many other churches planted around the world as a result of this church. We've already seen a little bit of it, but we can see so much more. 
2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I see the Great Commission somewhat in a simplistic term, that if He's called us to be fishers of men, if He's called us to be sowers of seed, that we should have enough stewardship to say, where's the fishing good at? Where's, where's the good ground? I mean, if you preach 50 sermons to see one fo- fo- person come to know Christ in Dayton, Ohio, and you preach one sermon in, in India to see 50 people, hey, one's a little more fertile ground. I'm not saying He hasn't called us here. I'm not saying that we're not supposed to be here and serve where God's put us. But also, let's put a little bit over there. Let's see where the harvest is. Let's see where the fishing's good. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, talking to the Corinthians about the Thessalonians, he says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit the grace of God bestowed to the churches at Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction... You know what... Sometimes we say things, things. Sometimes we're so spoiled in America that we act like everything's got to be perfect for us to serve God. But he says, no, the Thessalonians did it under pressure. They did it while they were being persecuted. They did it under affliction. While in affliction, they went and did and served. He said, the uh, great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy. You know what I think we lack in our in, in, is just a thankfulness for the gospel. If each one of us really just took time this week, if we took this message, you say, what are we going to do with this message? If we just do this, if we take this message and meditate on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ this week and what it's done for you individually and what it's done for your family, your church, and your country, if you'll just do that, you'll just say the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to meditate on what it has done for me not here and now and for eternity. That I think that if we take time and meditate on that and think about that, that all of a sudden a joy will rock, just come up inside of us and think, instead of all of our prayers saying, Lord, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord, bless me, we're going to say, Lord, I'm blessed. Lord, I'm blessed. Oh my goodness, Lord, I am blessed. I've been asking for your blessing all this time, but I'm one of the most blessed people in all of history. I'm saved, I'm born again, live in America, have freedom, have wealth, have all these sort of things. I am blessed. And here I've been praying for blessing, blessing, blessing. These people were persecuted. They were poor. This was a poor church. He says, look at this in verse 2, talking to the Corinthians. How that in great trial of affliction and abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their, look at, look at this, liberality. You're kidding me. These poor people were givers. The poor were the liberal ones. They were liberal with their giving. They were liberal. My goodness. If they can do it, so can we. That's what he's telling the church. That's what he's using them as an example to the Corinthians. He's saying, this this poor church was giving. This poor church was supporting Paul in his ministry. He says, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power. Oh. There's, there's what the Thessalonians tapped into. They weren't just dependent upon their own power. In my own power, I can't do anything in India. In my own power, I can't do anything in Mexico. In my own power, I can't do anything in the Philippines. Yeah, we weren't asking us to do it in our own power. We're asking to do it in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ beyond our power. 
That's what the Thessalonians tapped into beyond their power. They were what? What's it say? Willing of themselves. And here's the key, verse 5. This they did, not as we hoped, but first gave of their own selves to the Lord. What made the Thessalonians a model church is they realized the gift of the gospel that they had received and they gave themselves to the Lord. It's not about what we know. It's not about the perfect timing. It's just about us saying, God, make me willing, make me ready, and I will go. He may redirect us. You may think you're going to Asia and he sends you to Europe. God can do that, but, but he can't do it without us being willing. Paul was willing. He heard the call. He went forward. And this church, in much affliction, still followed God. I've got multiple more pages here, but the point of the message is if we would take time to just this week think of the, the gift that we have, the blessing that we have in the, in the gospel, what's been given to us. Sometimes it's so easy for us to not be thankful, but if we would get filled up with the joy of the Lord and what we already have in Christ, I think that it would almost be out of an overflow that we've got to tell people the good news. So this week... Let's be intentional to think on the gospel and what it means for us and then be willing and give ourselves to the Lord. Let's pray. Dearly Father God, we are thankful to be here. Lord, we are thankful for the miracle of this church. Lord, we're thankful for the miracle of all the, the churches that you have given us here in the United States. So many this morning, God, preaching the gospel. Lord, help us to be thankful for that. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. And feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.